You're listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Heaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. folks. Welcome to the latest podcast episode. My guest for this one is Captain Eric Furman, lead captain for Save the Bay here in Rhode Island. As some of you more astute listeners may recall, Eric was my first ever guest when I embarked upon this experimental podcast journey. Like me, Eric had just finished a long day at work and arrived directly from his boats. So we decided to end the workday with a nice IPA. We begin by catching up on the Save the Bay fleet, and Eric brings us up to speed on their latest edition and some of the future roles he foresees that craft playing at Save the Bay. He gives us a bit of background on the Marine Mammal Protection Act of 1972 and the influence it's had on the seals we see here in Narragansett Bay. That, of course, leads us to a discussion of the current seal watch tours at Save the Bay. Eric tells us everything we need to know to have an enjoyable trip with his team, good binoculars are a plus, and how to dress and just be prepared in general. And, of course, we talk about the annual Save the Bay Swim. Eric gives us some insight into the planning and logistics that go into organizing this event, which also includes close monitoring of the weather. And we talk about last summer's canceled event due to fog. You can learn more and book SEAL tours by visiting savebay.org. That's S-A-V-E-B-A-Y dot O-R-G. And as this is the last podcast episode of 2021, I'm already well in the process of making contacts and working on topics for 2022. I hope you enjoy. So how many boats do you have in the fleet? Uh, Save the Bay now has five boats we own. Mm. Uh, three are inspected vessels. Uh, so Coast Guard uh, passenger for hire vessels. And then we have two two smaller work boats there for our bay keepers. Well, our bay keeper and our coast keeper. Mm. So, uh, and that one's a, we got a Parker 23 with Cuddy Cabin and a Parker 18 center console. Oh, nice. Um, the the 18's getting a little long in the tooth. That'll be our <laughs> next uh, replacement. Right. So how, the, how do you use the smaller boats? So the small boats are, are work boats for our uh, on the water advocacy guys. So they're kind of the watchdogs, the bay keeper and mm. the coast keeper. So they're constantly out uh, doing water quality monitoring. Um, they also will respond to any potential problems mm. to make sure that we have eyes on it and uh, that way we can respond. So, and we also do a lot of other kind of work and some, even some donor work with them but uh, for the most part that's they're they're for the bay keepers mm. they're our first response boats <laughs> and the the alita and what's the other one alita Al- alita morris elizabeth morris our new newest vessel rosemary quinn oh what's that she is a 31 foot aluminum uh catamaran landing craft oh nice um, she is the, she's the new baby. She just got here, uh, in, uh, July and finally cleared all the, all the paperwork of, uh, inspection in, uh, oh, right around the beginning of October. Uh, so, uh, she's all set and ready to go. Um, 
You got a car I, on it? Hmm? <laughs> you got a small car on it? Uh, you could. Um, she's got uh, uh, the stability. Uh, sort of checks out at about 5,000 pounds. Oh, um, right. So, yeah, you could hmm. put a small car on it. <laughs> um, I scoped her out for smallest little excavator that uh, I think it's John Deere makes. And our... Habitat restoration people have been working with that piece of equipment, uh, which is actually owned by the state. The state runs it, but uh, on some projects that we're doing for uh, salt marsh restoration, it's actually really salt marsh adaptation to give salt marshes a chance against rising sea, oh, sea levels. Right. So uh, a lot of moving sand and mud around in that project so uh, yeah, uh so i scoped that out just to make sure that in the next 15 20 years we're going to be doing a lot of that and if we do need to bring that equipment out to a more isolated spot that we will have the ability to do it what is she powered by an outboard she's uh yeah she's twin yamaha 225s oh wow yeah so but that gets up on it when she's empty. she can she can move right along but uh the biggest thing is making sure that we have enough power to to get a full load up to 20 knots right so. now i'm picturing something with like tracks on it yeah that, a, a that's what those yeah. excavators yeah are. whether or not she ever <laughs> sees one i'm not sure but that's what that's what i had in mind when i when i was doing my original concept for <laughs> kent had something like that he was yeah kent's got um, digging. a slightly smaller Mm. Um, beautiful boat. It's uh, offhand. I just I can't quite remember, but it's actually a Canadian built boat. Mm. Really well built, um, but obviously Canadian built, so can't not useful for passengers. Passengers. Yeah. No need well, to go down the whole waiver for the Jones no, Act route no, again. No, no, no. We've we've <laughs> we've done that before. Um, and there's plenty of people who can build us a nice. Small aluminum boat here in the U.S. Sure. So yeah, uh, seal watches. You just resumed. Just resumed. We uh, did a little bit uh, with the new boat out of Westerly in October and November, but the Newport seal watches are getting underway. Well, got underway last weekend. Had a, a great weekend. Two trips, both days, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so we'll run those trips all the way through just about the end of April running on weekends and the bigger school vacations. Mm. So um, uh, they run according to the time of tide. Right. So you got to go out somewhere near low tide. Uh, so that means there's no fixed time that we depart. Right. Uh, so it can be anywhere from 10 a.m. to, oh, I think in April we managed to do a few four, five or even six o'clock trips. But yep. obviously this time of year that wouldn't work. No, too that's well. not going to. You're not going to see much. No. Unless no. they smile at you or something. That, that's it. <laughs> unless they have flares. Uh, where are the spots that you go for the seals or are they secret? So primarily we're going out uh, right to the east side of Rose Island. So yep. uh, there's a little set of rocks there called Sighting Rock. Uh, actually spelled C-I-T-I-N-G. Mm. I have no idea why it's named that. But that's uh, probably the seal's second favorite location in the bay so for mm. seal numbers usually that'll be kind of the number two spot after rome point in uh north kingstown which a little bit a little bit more that one you can actually walk down to it's about a mile walk down from route one 
a mm. uh, the John H. Chafee Wildlife Refuge. Oh, we see all the cars parked yep, there. Yeah. Yep, exactly. But if you head down there at uh, low tide, bring some binoculars. It's a little bit of a, a look, but uh, that's another great spot, Sam. Is there any kind of government agency that oversees or regulates like you can't get too close to the wildlife type so, group so seals like all marine mammals are covered by the uh, marine mammal protection act of 1972 and that in a nutshell says uh, that we cannot kill harm or harass marine mammals so right. seals porpoise whales uh polar bears and somehow sea turtles get thrown in there too, but the uh, the basic thing of the law is you cannot approach a marine mammal closer than fifty yards, so about one hundred and fifty feet, or if your activities cause a change in their behavior. So you might be quite a bit farther than 150 feet. And if you are having a significant impact on their behavior, then you actually are in violation of the act. Right. So it's just the act is there and it's for all to comply to. Yeah. It's not like there's some government agency that issues permits for this type of activity. No, no. Uh, I think Things like whale watches might get a little tighter control, but seals, not quite so much. There's a video, and I forgot where I saw it. It might have been on, oh, it might have been on the Martha's Vineyard Striped Bass and Bluefish Tournament Facebook page. Somebody was on the island home in between Woods Hole and Vineyard Haven, and a whale breached. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, they they, they must have done it more than once because they caught one of them on video. That's like, it's in Vineyard Sound. <laughs> well, we did have that one weird humpback whale that was in the bay for, oh, I don't know, two or three days, maybe five winters ago, six winters ago. Oh, really? Uh, and there is one picture of it breaching uh, with the Mount Hope Bridge in the background. But that's the that's the only case I know of a apparently healthy large whale in the bay. Wow. Uh, what are your COVID policies? Do you require vaccinations or so, um, mask? Uh, at this point, we are following uh, Rhode Island Department of Health uh, guidelines, which this year with vaccinations have, have definitely scaled back from what they were. We uh, uh, do recommend that uh, if you aren't vaccinated that you wear a mask, but... Uh, we aren't requiring it because we are an outdoor activity. Mm. We're kind of bouncing around now that uh, COVID is uh, kind of making a little bit of a comeback. We're uh, just making sure that we're well ventilated. Mm. Um, it might be a little chillier than when we can. <laughs> the curtains are drop. up. We, the, there are some curtains, but maybe not all of them. <laughs> but just to make sure that we've got good airflow. So we really are an outdoor activity. Right. And uh, if we'll stick with that, unless Department of Health changes uh, how they're approaching things. But uh, hopefully, now that everyone's vaccinated, or not everyone, of course, but now that most people are mm. vaccinated, uh, we are hoping that uh, we're just going to be able to continue without having to curtail anything. Last year, we were pretty successful, mm. but we did need to drop to, we were running at about one third capacity. So, oh, okay. Uh, so it's it's rather nice to, to see a fuller boat. It's, right. Uh, 
imagine with the school trips, though, you have a higher percentage of people who aren't vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so we'll have to carefully watch that. But I think uh, the schools are really doing a wonderful job. Mm. And we'll follow, of course, whatever the school's policy is, which uh, most schools, I believe, are still doing uh, a masked policy. Mm. So uh, we'll just follow along with it whatever the individual school's policy is. And uh, that way, that way we'll keep everybody, everybody safe. <laughs> and where's your, your pickup and drop off? So uh, we're picking up and dropping off at uh, um, Bowen's Ferry Landing. Oh, right. Uh, so that's the end of Market Square. Mm. Uh, it's right next to the landing restaurant uh, in between the landing and uh, Pier 49 there. Oh, which I think some of the calling, names. Uh, I think they're calling it Saltwater. I don't know. Oh, okay. um, but the the old Newport Harbor Hotel, right? Treadway, Treadway. the Treadway. <laughs> if you if you want to be a proper uh, Rhode Islander, we've been there for for a number of years. So yeah, that's kind of kind of our winter home. Tough in a West Blow. It can be a little lumpy in a West Blow there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Remember that, uh, was it last year or the year before when we got that one tremendous Southwest blow where it was blowing over 70 for a couple of, oh, wow. a couple of hours and it certainly did a lot of damage. Mm. I don't remember if uh, there were any, any boats went down. I was thinking Newport, of but... one that, uh, well, maybe the one I'm thinking of was in the summer where there was a big blow and Sail Newport actually had a... A seminar on it afterwards about dealing with this because it was a unique microblast. Oh, that, that was yeah. That was, I think that one was uh, toward the end of the summer and one of the last days of Tuesday or Thursday night racing. Right, and a big, a uh, big squall came through and really, you know, one of those one of those once in once in five ten year squalls came through. And uh, now this one was uh, this one was still in March or so, and it was just. Whatever it was, it was perfect wind direction to blow pretty much straight out of Brenton Cove down to well, really Parati Park. So, right. Uh, it was uh, that one was a doozy, but uh, luckily I have always had the uh, the motto that if if you double up every time, yeah. you don't have to get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. So my boats were all all are always prepared for a blow. So we we fared all right, but. Boy, oh boy, that one was crazy. Yeah, that'll wake you up. Yeah. We're talking of weather. Is it what's the weather threshold that would cause you to cancel a trip? I always use the uh uh this is I think the the best rule that any mariner can have. If the wind is more than the temperature, you don't go out. Ah. And that works. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. Right. Because if it's 10 degrees out and it's blowing more than 10. Yeah, you definitely don't want to go out. Right. But if it's 70 degrees out and it's blowing more than 70, yeah. <laughs> you still don't want to go out. We do have actually some some a little bit more elaborate guidance, which mm. uh, I won't go out if the wind chill is less than 15 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and I won't go out if the actual temperature is less than 20 degrees mm. sure we could and for an hour long trip everybody's fine but being the prudent mariners right um you have to think about what happens if mm. you know all it takes is just something stupid like you snag your 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 props on a lobster trap and you're out there for an extra 45 minutes mm. 
that's when you start to think about you know the things that could happen so you got to build in winter time you really do need to build in a really good good safety net i was talking um, to somebody that did a lot of frostbiting with the newport yacht club of course they start january first and i think it started as a, sort of like a bet the guys were sitting at a bar on new year's day and said i bet you can't sail over to fort adams or goat island or whatever it was <laughs> but they use a rule i think they call it the 2020 rule they don't go out if the wind's over 20 or if the temperature's below 20. It's a pretty safe bet right so there. Yeah, pretty um, standard. For us, it also varies a little bit because uh, it does affect the seals themselves. Um, they don't care about the temperature. No. But uh, for the primary location that we're going to, sighting rocks pretty exposed in a northerly. Mm. Um, and any time it gets a little lumpy, say over two foot, the seals just start getting annoyed by it. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's probably not that comfortable to be sitting on a rock and getting bashed by a wave at the right. same time. So, uh, so there's that that gets added into it. So uh, if it's blowing... 15 out of the Northwest might have to think about not going out. But if it's blowing 20 out of the Southwest where Rose islands are nicely, sure. Uh, then you're fine. So is it, is it right that they call that hauling out? The yeah. Seals do? So, yeah. so what, so what we're trying to do is see resting seals, which is one of the reasons why you don't really want to disturb them. Nobody likes their nap to get disturbed. <laughs> the seals can and do, uh, sleep while they're in the water. They call that bottling. So mm. they float straight up and down in the water. They just kind of tip their heads back and, and they can breathe. But then, even though this sounds crazy, uh, they're sleeping for like 30 seconds at a time. It's like sleep apnea, I guess. But it's not as restful as if they can get up and out. And then they'll lounge there for, you know, pretty much the entire tide cycle. So mm. sunbathing. It's sunbathing. Sometimes I was, rain bathing. I was surfing. Some it was. I can't remember if it was first or second beach, but it was in the winter, and I had a wetsuit with a hood and everything. And I'm paddling back out, and the current was. I was down by the rocks because the current was sweeping me down. I had to keep paddling back. And I looked over my shoulder, and there's this black object, and there was this three other people out there surfing, and I was like, I said to him, "That was a good wave you caught. It wasn't a person. It was a seal." <laughs> and and I thought, oh, that's that's different. So that was an interaction with nature that I didn't. I violated. I violated whatever. Well, that I, I think <laughs> I think the close. seal violated the Marine <laughs> Mammal Protection Act. There, I've I've heard a a lot of anecdotes about people either surfing or even diving, and having a seal come up and uh, and say hi. I've heard of guys sitting on their uh, sitting on their surfboards and having a seal come up and tug on their uh, their flipper. Yeah. Um, which I got to imagine um, is a little bit of you're not thinking it's a seal when that happens. Right. Yeah, I think that would spook me. <laughs> I got spooked. That was very late season. I want to say late April even. I was snowboarding at Cannon Mountain in Franconia, New Hampshire, and I was gunning it down this trail, and three little bears came out of the woods 
followed by Mama Bear. Uh-oh. I tucked in and I went for it. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't get on the lift fast enough. And I told the lift guy, I told him, and he said, oh, I better alert the patrollers. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not so fun. No, because um, I'm thinking even, the, the, the mama bear was looking out for the three cubs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's probably hungry and angry. <laughs> All she's been doing is coo- cooped up in a little den for the last couple of months yeah, with these right. little brats. <laughs> How long does the season last? You started, you said the other week. Yeah, we start uh, We start seeing seals showing up um, generally in, in any number in November. Um, mm. Now, uh, years past, uh, pre-COVID, we'll call it, uh, we would generally start our Newport season either the weekend of Thanksgiving or the weekend before Mm. Um, the seals are coming down, they're migrating down, usually beginning sometime in the fall. Now they aren't migrating in a big pack or anything. It's just individual seals deciding it's time to go. Mm. Um, and they're really following their food source. So, you know, we get schools of herring and mackerel start migrating down the coast, leaving coastal Canada, uh, coast of Maine, uh, where these guys spend their summer months um and the the seals just follow their food they what don't do care they that eat? It's, they're really not picky eaters <laughs> uh pretty much anything that uh, swims crawls slithers in the water they're gonna eat it mm. but that being said herring mackerel are two of their biggest mm. staples of their diet but they're very opportunistic. So they'll eat pretty much any fish that they can come across. Uh, and they need to eat somewhere close to 10% of their body weight a day. Wow. Um, now, that doesn't mean that every day they're going out and eating that. Maybe one day they'll go out and eat 20%. Right. Not eat for a couple of days. But uh, they, they do eat a lot of fish. But uh, again, it's, it's one of those natural predator-prey <laughs> relationships where... If there's not enough fish, well, there's not going to be enough seals shortly thereafter. So, right. uh, it, so that will keep a natural balance. Uh, so we can't really blame them when fish numbers drop off, or at least not in the long run. Right. Have you seen in the years you've been doing it? Have you seen fluctuations in the population? Because I know lobstermen talk about you know they have banner years and then they have yeah skinny it, years for seals. It does seem that we've kind of hit a relatively steady population. Mm. There are some years I think um, you know maybe due to the fluctuations and this is just taking a, a wild guess here uh maybe just due to the fluctuations of where the fish are right you may see more seals in a certain area than other years but uh the the population seems fairly steady now it's climbed from you know when we were kids there were no seals right yeah Um, i don't ever remember saying so prior to 1972 and the passage of the marine mammal protection act Mm. many states had bounties on seals so you know, every every fishing boat probably had it had a rifle on board, and you'd see a seal, you'd take a shot at it. Um, wow! Thinking that yeah, seals are that competition. Seals are why the numbers of fish are dropping. Sure. Wait, get, let's get the newest sonar out so we can find every school. It's really it's not that way. Yes, seals can bring numbers of fish down, 
but mm. at the same time, they are a natural predator prey relationship. Mm. So if they overeat, well, then some seals are going to go hungry and starve to death. Right. So, yeah. and so their numbers will quickly drop. One of our customers who's the lobsterman is convinced that seals have an opposable thumb and the ability to open up yeah, the, his I, lobster trap. I do feel a little bad for the lobsterman. <laughs> you know, when you've got a trap that 80 to 100 bucks uh, trap, it, there are some seals that look at that as a boxed lunch. Right. Whether they go for the bait or go for what's already in the trap, I'm not even sure, but they can do a number on a lobster trap. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on site, or do they drag it somewhere? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I think probably right on site. <laughs> right you know, you know. I think that happens. Yeah. Um, I don't know how often it happens, but uh, I, I, I've definitely heard some stories about. Have the seals ever done anything really entertaining while you've had a group of people on board? A lot of times they just sit there because we are, after all, going out to see resting seals. But uh, uh, they do sometimes get a little active. Uh, We actually just uh, had a group out on Tuesday and uh, the seals were doing what we refer to as their some of the seals were doing what we call porpoising. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were actually jumping out of the water in a kind of arcing swim move. It's a, it's a very quick movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the, when they're hitting their top speed, which is somewhere around 20, 20 to 25 miles an hour. Really? I think they can do short bursts wow. like that, but they move pretty good. It, they, did put a tracker on a harbor seal uh, that they had in rehabilitation one year at Mystic. They released it on uh, uh, Blue Shutters Beach down in Matunic. Mm. Three days later, it was in Maine. Whoa. So, yeah, they can move when they want to. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd envy a passage like that. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty <laughs> nice. That's, you know, good southwest uh, yeah. breeze. And they they also use the Cape Cod Canal. So oh, they they're do. Not, they're not silly. They don't, no reason to go around when they you know can the go shortcut. Through. <laughs> Gee, that's amazing. What, what would you recommend people bring on a, on a. Biggest thing is dress for the weather. Right. Um, it's always going to be colder on the water. Uh, it's always going to be a little breezier on the water, so uh, make sure you've got uh, a good few layers and one good wind-breaking layer. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we've got binoculars. Feel free to bring your own because yours are probably dropped by less second graders than ours are. <laughs> um, but we've we've got a pretty good supply right at the moment. Right. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, feel free to... If you got a hot drink that you want to bring along, feel mm. free for that. The trips are only an hour, so an elaborate uh, 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 set of snacks you probably don't need. It's always nice to have a little hot drink. Right. Yeah, like a hot chocolate or something. Yeah, but uh, it's mostly the dressing for the weather. That's the that's the key thing. Right. Yeah, don't go out with no hat and gloves and no, say it's freezing no, out here. No, I in the winter I carry an enormous bag with me wherever I go, and I swear it's full of all the clothing that I own. Because um, <laughs> you know it's you never know. Yeah, and in the same trip I can go from just about short sleeves to parka over a couple of couple of jackets. So. Do you require life jackets for people? Uh, we do uh, require life jackets for uh, kids 13 and under. 
So uh, and pretty much all of our school groups will be in uh, in life jackets as well. Uh, but we've got uh, plenty of the nice, comfortable type uh, type threes for that. All right. Uh, we don't we don't put them in our type one uh, uh, big, huge, bulky ones. Yeah. Nobody shows up in the Gumby suit. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, that would be warm. It would be warm. I've I've thought about it on occasion, <laughs> or or even the the step below that, the uh, the Mustang survival suit. Yeah, one of those wouldn't be so bad on mm. some some days. Yeah, the work suit. How do you get tickets? We sell all of our tickets is done right on uh, our website, which is www.savebay.org. We skip the the, so it's S A V E B A Y. Dot org and i'll drop uh, a link in the liner notes great that would be wonderful <laughs> and then uh best way is just navigate to there i mm. think there's a there there's something on our our home page to that you can click that'll get you right to uh the spot where you can select a date and uh gotta fill out a little bit of uh forms and stuff do any third party vendors book trips with you or is it just your own internal we do. Uh, we mm. definitely get some uh, folks uh, who uh, book for a for a group or something like that. Uh, anything from scout groups and birthday parties to uh, I think we've uh, uh, taken out the uh, the Jamestown Garden Club women, oh. um, which is quite quite fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's it. All <laughs> kinds of different groups. Best way for, if you've got a group is actually just to contact us. Uh, the information is on the website, mm. but uh, contact uh, directly to the office and then get you all set up. And how, how are the boats crew? Do you have a captain and then captain, uh, captain one crew? Uh, the crew is is the uh, formal guide, although uh, you, you can't uh, get away without hearing uh, one of the captains kind of chime uh, in. Chime in. Um, Chris and I are, are known to, uh, uh, to sprout out a couple of facts <laughs> is the the location at first beach stable or secure because i know they're talking about moving the carousel so um you were, you were sort of near so the there's carousel. there's three buildings there um there's uh the carousel the uh snack bar and then the rotunda the rotunda is the oldest and that's the one that's not falling down oh, and that's where okay. we are the other two buildings are very structurally deficient. Mm. So the city's faced with a pretty big question of what they want to do down there. But uh, the big news for us, just at the same time, uh, uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, gave up their long-term lease at the old Discovery Center. It's the at the Visitor Center. Oh, there. right. Opposite um, Cardine's Ballfield. Yeah. By the Marriott. Um, yeah. We have just finished negotiating and signing a lease with the city uh, to move the aquarium there. Oh, cool. Uh, so that is hoping to open uh, somewhere around 18 months from now. Mm. Um, so we're hoping to uh, leave spring of 2023. But uh, like all major projects, that's a that's a sliding it's date. A stretch. Um, yeah. And we'll be open at the uh, at Easton's Beach until then. But uh, that will factor into the city's plans at the beach i'm not sure what they're going to want to do there it's going to be an interesting interesting uh uh debate oh and the other thing i was going to ask about just to shift gears the the annual swim 
when did you do it this year? We did have to uh, cancel in 2020 for COVID. Mm. This year, uh, we were holding a, uh, a scaled back swim. Uh, I think we had 150 swimmers mm. and everybody was incredibly psyched to get in the water and get going. And it was pee soup. Fog. Oh, wow. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the first time in 42 years that we'd had fog that bad. Right. Um, we have about a half an hour window. I was going to say, doesn't the captain of the port give you a yeah, window to it's work a, with? It's a, it's a well-regulated thing. It's a, mm. We have a marine event agreement with the Coast Guard. Unfortunately, it gives us about a half an hour, but I that's about what the tide would, you know, the current would right. allow. Um, and uh, by about 30 minutes past the original day, time of the start, I that's I it. had to make the call, which Ooh. wasn't a, wasn't pleasant. You aren't a popular guy. Well, uh, we've canceled uh, twice in my time at Save the Bay. Once was we canceled on a weather forecast, which was for 20 plus knots out of the Northeast, which, and it was, it was pretty miserable. We canceled that one on the night before. So that way no one had to get up at five in the morning. Right. This time, obviously no one could see the other side and Mm. the swimmers didn't want to get in the water when they couldn't see the other side. I couldn't bring my safety kayaks over from the other side where they launch. Right. Um, So it was... It was one of those things that no one wants to make the call, but no one questioned that one. It was a, it was certainly the only choice. You can't even, the siren on the bridge doesn't work in it. Well, they haven't used it. Yeah. What, I used to rely that? on that a lot. I, that, that thing was great. <laughs> of course, I don't think it would help my swimmers much. If they swam to the siren, they'd still end up in the middle of the bay and well yeah. off course. That, <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't help. be so good either. For any swimmer, it's going to be very frustrating. It's like, well, it's probably going to burn off in 30 minutes. And you know what? It did. Yeah. But that would have been an hour after we had originally planned to start. So now you've got a strong current. Right. Which... It's sweeping you the wrong way. You have not. (laughs) It's like, oh, but we swim it all the time. Well, you swim it at the time that I planned for you to swim it. And that's pretty much the smallest bit of current that I can find. Are people just rely on their own honesty and say, I'm a competent swimmer to do this? Or do you get people that maybe shouldn't be out there? So anyone can uh, sign up. The uh, You don't have a qualifier or anything. If you are going to swim without a uh, accompanying kayak. Oh, you allow that? Most people actually do at this point swim mm-hmm. without a kayak. We have a lot less who swim with a safety kayak now. We have our own safety squad of kayaks. Mm. Which we're always looking for good kayakers to uh, volunteer for that. So right. throw that out there now. But if it's your first swim uh, and you don't have a qualifier, and for a qualifier, generally it's uh, written by an open water swim coach of some kind. Mm. Uh, and generally that's going to be for our younger kids for everybody else. Once you can do the swim and you've done a swim and you've done it. And I think it's less than an hour and a half or less than an hour and 20 minutes. Then you can swim unaccompanied the next year. Oh, I see. Um, 
I forget the exact details because right. I, I concentrate on the actual on the water stuff rather than the, the, the registration part, right. which is a huge. How many uh, assets are employed to, to manage this? I mean, you have your own vessels, then you have the Coast Guard. So uh, the Coast Guard, uh, Coast Guard Auxiliary provide um, a security zone and added to them, they'll also have assets uh uh, that we help them arrange with uh, Department of Environmental Management, Port Harbor Master, hmm. uh, Jamestown Harbor Master, and th- those guys have been doing this for, yeah, you know, as long as I've been doing. I it. I think I saw one year I saw Steve sort of situated off of near where you do the the seal watch. Yep, to yep, keep exactly. anyone from shooting out from the harbor and headed north under the bridge. Yeah, we um, and and over the years uh, expanded the security zone mostly so that we can turn people around before they commit themselves to heading up so right. so for people northbound uh trying to stop you and turn you around south of rose island right uh so that you're not getting up there um certainly south of the bridge and generally for people who are southbound we're trying to stop you near the north end of gould island so that way if you you know if you're trying to get out of the bay uh you've still got the opportunity to bail and head uh, west around uh, west passage uh yeah and head out west passage and that seems to work very well that probably have near a dozen boats or so Mm. and then i have our own actual safety team that's going to be all of our boats and then uh usually i'm i'm shooting for uh, somewhere around a dozen boats 10 Mm. 10 to 12 is pretty comfortable and we'll set up on both sides of the line of swimmers essentially and then we'll have another 25 to 35 safety kayaks that aren't assigned to anybody that are just looking after everyone and they'll be able to be inside our safety boats and they can they can be first on the scene they can actually be in and amongst the swimmers looking for any problems and then they'll alert us to bring a boat in if if need be right if someone's distressed, what are the, the kayaker raise their paddle? Yeah, or that's usually yeah. The, that's the best way. Also, a whistle, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the the raised p- paddle is the is the quickest and easiest method. And well, that's a fundraiser, right? It, yeah, it's so still it's still one of our major fundraisers. Mm. Um, but even more important, it speaks to our overall mission. So, uh, when we started the swim. Uh, well, it's uh, 43 years ago, or will be shortly. Right. People were getting out of the water with tar balls on them. Really? And that's not cool. That's that's not cool. <laughs> no, that's not cool at all. Now, if you saw even more than a little sheen on the water, you mm. even that, you kind of get a little surprised. So right. The health of the bay has come an incredibly long way. The swim is just that capstone thing that we just every year we remind ourselves how far we've come Mm. um and how many people appreciate the bay love the bay wouldn't be in rhode island if it wasn't for the bay 
what's there to receive them at the the Jamestown side? So uh, <laughs> coffee. You, you usually put on a pretty good shindig over there. There's a hospitality tent that's got uh, all kinds of good end of uh, that kind the of event. end of athletic activity snacks and that yep. sort of thing. We've usually got some massage tables going. There's a medic tent, all kinds of fun stuff. It's lots and lots of people, the families, uh, lots of Save the Bay supporters uh, cheering you on. It's uh, a really amazing thing when people are coming out of the water. You know, mm. there's there's literally couple hundred people cheering you and on. How do they get out. back? I assume, what, where do they start? The War College right here? So, uh, yep, right out in front of the, the mm. War College, uh, down at the bottom of the hill there. And then it's uh, 1.7 nautical miles, two statute miles, right. over to Potter Cove, oh, okay. pretty much right by the, uh, the the hospitality tents are right on the, the lawn, right, right by the, the old, now, uh, toll booths. It's quite the event over there mm. and it's an event i've never been to <laughs> i'm always dealing with uh yeah the last of the swimmers and then buttoning up the course well, maybe and the next then year you all... put yourself in that landing craft <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> but uh yeah usually i'm on uh i'm on one of our two bigger vessels and uh i'm uh last uh several years i've been the the lead boat so i'll follow or, or B, a uh, couple hundred yards to the north of the, the lead swimmer, mm. who's booking, by the way. Really? Um, lead swimmer usually finishes somewhere in the 35 to 40 minutes. Wow. Yeah, that's fast. Uh, you, you stay in gear following that person the whole way across um, it's not michael phelps is it <laughs> uh no no it, there's some amazing swimmers yeah. out there and then i'll maintain a position somewhere about a half mile or so north of uh, taylor point there mm -hmm. the entrance to uh potter cove and then the whole all the swimmers will eventually pass between taylor point and and my my boat and then we'll have our other big boat following the last swimmer mm. uh and that way there's a big boat marking the last person and a big there's boat. a big boat marking the first yeah. person and then there's a, a fairly decent sized boat that is actually marking where you're supposed to go because uh, the perspective, I guess, from just got your head out of the water is quite a bit different from the perspective when you're five, six feet up on a boat. Yeah. And then that would really, you could see where in the fog, there's no way they would. And we wouldn't be able to see them to take care of them. We wouldn't be, the Coast Guard couldn't see far enough to maintain a security zone. Mm. So it's just, that was the first one. Luckily, this coming year, we're essentially, we've got about a, there's about a four or five week window mm. of when you can do the swim. And I'm shooting for a specific tide, tide and current uh, situation so that it's going to be uh, just about the end of the ebb, then uh, say end of the ebb, maybe half hour, 45 minutes into the, into the swim. And then, uh, uh, the beginning of the flood. Right. But it's also got to be on early in the morning, <laughs> early in the morning. So you can't really do a start after say nine 30, just too much boat traffic, too much wind. Mm. You also want the quarter moons. You don't want the new moon or right. the full moon. So there's really only a couple of times that you can, 
Uh, so you really got to stick your head in Eldritch and yep, yeah. yep. There's a, I, I generally sometime right after the uh, previous year's swim, I print out every uh, every bit of title and current prediction for the upcoming August and September, oh, August, July and August, I guess. Oh well, yeah, wait, what time of year? I thought it was in June, but uh, was, July and August. It's July and August. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's when I have the opportunity. This year, luckily, we'll be running in August, which uh, hmm. I think we're. Uh, the first weekend in August, if I remember correctly, which uh, uh, it's actually going to be after Folk Fest and mm. Jazz Fest. So no, don't have to worry about those guys. And hopefully don't have to worry quite as much about the fog that we did last year. Right. Yeah, because I, I always picture fog earlier, but it can come any time. Yeah. But this year, I think we were relatively early last year. It's just that's the way the mm. tide cycle worked. And yeah. unfortunately, the fog cycle worked that yeah. way, too. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, thanks. That was a, a hell of a catch up. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Heaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Please like and subscribe wherever you get to your podcasts.